0: I do think it goes back to my mom and her modeling for us as an activist, um, being connected to the world. She was always volunteering and helping the Cambodian boat people and all these different things. And I also think part of it is, and I wish it didn't take some kind of understanding of this circumstance, but. You know, my sister Alexis was trans and I really saw how persecuted trans people were in the world. And I worried for Alexis' life and um, I saw how many job opportunities, you know, disappeared for her. And she died of AIDS. And AIDS is another thing that's very important to me. And my mom died of breast cancer. So I am personally impacted also by... What I've seen my loved ones go through in their lives, you know.
1: Hello, beautiful people. This is Bambi Salcedo.
0: And I am Maria Roman. And I am Patricia Arquette.
1: Yes, we are greeting you and sending you so much love and appreciation to our show, The Fearless.
2: We want to acknowledge the land where we are standing on today and the land wherever you may be.
1: We are in Tongva Land in Los Angeles. And this time that we are together, we want to invite the four elements that ignite our being.
2: We hope that our conversation sparks the fire that we all have within, and that inflames all of our listeners to understand and to also take action.
1: We hope that the water will help our conversation and
2: thoughts to flow freely. We hope that the wind inspires all of us to deliver the message that our people need to listen today and that continues to provide the strength that we all need to continue to move forward. And I would like
1: to call upon Mother Earth, who continues to provide for all of us to exist. We invoke the spirits of our ancestors to guide us and to give us the strength, intelligence, and the tenacity to continue to move forward in this world. And so we have today our beautiful and amazing sibling and the struggle of activism, uh, who is an amazing person um, who it's obviously a, a comedy award winning, a Golden Globe winner, actress, uh, I mean, many accolades. But this time we want to hear from from her, Patricia, our cat, our beautiful and amazing sibling, uh, to tell us a little bit about who you are. I know that people know you as, you know, and TV and all of these things and all of the accolades that you have, but let the audience know um, something about you.
0: Who are you? That's such a great question. I mean, who am I? I think that most of my life I didn't go through life thinking who am I or how do I feel because I kind of came in as the middle child and I was kind of codependent. So it was really about how everyone else was always feeling. And I think there's pros and cons to that. The pro can be that you do become an activist. You do help the world. You do try to make people's situation better. The con of it is you don't really – I realized how little I know. I never check in with myself. How am I? Am I okay? I'm always at the bottom of my list. But my mom was similar. My mom was an activist and she, uh, she marched for civil rights and she was a poet and she kind of taught us about activism. And because of that, my first job was at Planned Parenthood. I marched with my parents, you know, on on strikes, like for the union and nuclear power plants, you know, endangering communities, um, many different things against wars and all these different things. I I have a, a nonprofit called Give Love and we do ecological sanitation in the developing world. We work with several indigenous groups which have a very high infant mortality rate and we also build toilets in schools. And one of the things is so it can help girls stay in school once they start menstruating, because oftentimes they have nowhere to deal with their, you know, their period in a way that's dignified for them and safe for them. Um, and we're talking about possibly doing some pilot projects at refugee camps and things like that, where also people are victims of uh, sexual assault, oftentimes going to the bathroom that's kind of some of the things I've done. I've done work for women's rights, um, going before Congress and spoke up about LGBT rights and tried to be a good ally in that regard. And when I work on projects, I try to tap into the LGBT community and see what's going on. Like when I was in Savannah, I was horrified to see how many trans kids and LGBT kids were getting kicked out of their houses in the South and sleeping under bridges. And even though when they would go to, um, you know, the shelters to get federal funding are supposed to be non-discriminatory, but they still felt very discriminated against. And it was just these grassroots LGBT groups, uh, you know, that were really making a big difference in a really underserved population. So I really try to tap in with people like you, Bambi and Maria who are doing really important work.
2: I think for for me, you know, I I I come from the community that we that we advocate for. You know, I come from the streets, I've been homeless. And, you know, I think that since you know, I remember I've seen you in in, in T V and I've seen you sort of this, you know celebrity but to also see you so accessible to community it's a beautiful gift right for us to be able to share space with you to see that some of the things that are important to us are also so important to you how do with what I imagine is such a busy schedule that you must have how do you find time to actually give back I even saw you at Bambi's Quinceanera and and make that connection with people. Why advocacy and why be so available uh, when you're so busy? What what sparks that fire to be connected like that?
0: I do think it goes back to my mom and her modeling for us as an activist, um, being connected to the world. She was always volunteering and helping the Cambodian boat people and all these different things. And I also think part of it is And I wish it didn't take some kind of understanding of this circumstance, but you know, my sister Alexis was trans and I really saw how persecuted trans people were in the world. And I worried for Alexis's life and um, I saw how many job opportunities, you know, disappeared for her and she died of AIDS. And AIDS is another thing that's very important to me. And my mom died of breast cancer so I am personally impacted also by what I've seen my loved ones go through in their lives, you know. They weren't, you know, doing testing on women and medications for years. They told my mom as she went to the doctor for 7 years that she kept saying her breasts were hurting. They said, "Oh, you're just wearing the wrong bra." No, she had a giant tumor in her breast. You know, that killed her. So I mean, I have been impacted, I think, and the people that I love, really, it's their message coming through, you know. When I do trans work, I feel like when I communicate with the community, the love of Alexis is alive and on fire and moving through me all the time. And I will carry her with me and we will ride together through this life, you know, even if she's not here anymore.
1: You know, um, thank you so much for, um, you know, for bringing the spirit of Alexis into this conversation, you know, because I, I think, you know, in our families, right, like for many of us uh, who are trans, we, you know, the, ish, the the reason why we end up where we are, um, you know, with, within our society it's because primarily the rejection of our families, right? Which is the the core, if you will, right? And that's why, you know, you mentioned young people, you know, being homeless in the South and all of that, right? Um, and so thank you so much for for bringing in Lexis. And, and I do want to say um, one of the things that were so powerful was when, um, you know, when you were at the Golden, was it the Golden Globes or the Oscars when you said, like, give trans people jobs, right? Um, And you said exactly what you said just now, right? Like, we are discriminated against and, you know, and all of those things, right? Was that something that just came out of your heart or was that something that you thought about? Like, this is what I'm going to say. How did that moment came to be?
0: I feel like I've been grieving Alexis since, you know, since she was in the hospital. I have been worried about Alexis and grieving Alexis and afraid Alexis was going to die for years. And then since Alexis has died, it's been so close with me. Honestly, I can still like, I try not to think about it all the time because when, even when I think about it, it's still so traumatic for me. Um, losing her. And I know she was done here and I know she didn't want to be here anymore, but even with all of that. Um, so when I won that, I mean, just Alexis was in my heart so much and Alexis just felt with me. And I just felt like I needed to talk about that. You know, it is so important to me. And I have clearly seen this discrimination, not towards me, although I've had people attack me to try to hurt me, you know, saying horrible things like, oh, Alexis is in hell and crazy things like that. But more um, really to witness brutality like that. And and I want people to think about it more. I mean, Alexis, you know, was on The Surreal Life at a time where there really wasn't any trans uh, representation on television, And, um, now we're starting to have these conversations about trans actors playing trans parts and, and many other parts opening up. Um, and that's really exciting, but it didn't happen, you know, for Alexis and Alexis's time. And she chose to forge her own path anyway. So she was just with me very much. And I just wanted to make that statement because, You know, we go into businesses all the time. We have to buy something or do something. I've only ever once seen a trans person behind a counter in a business. That the business was like, yeah, this is our great employee who we love. And here they are, representing our company. And I feel like that needs to happen a lot more. We do need to make more avenues all over for trans people to Make a living because we're just really, as a society, sequestering people, you know. Okay, you can be in entertainment, like go do a cabaret, or you can be in the sex industry, and that's kind of all you get to do. And I'm not cool with that.
2: I I do agree with you. I, I do think that, you know, having my own journey with my family as a trans person. There's different sort of challenges throughout the new relationship, right? Because I think there's mourning from people that have known us for a certain amount of time as who we were. Um, And as we transition, there's those points that become challenging for folks to accept the new whole person that we're becoming what do you think is some of those challenges that you've seen with sort of the dynamics of trans people within families, you know, and and what would be your message as a sister uh, to somebody that could potentially be seeing us of how to heal that path?
0: I think this is so important what you're talking about. And I think a lot, so much healing could happen from this exact conversation because everyone's transitioning during a transition, you know, and this, this mourning and this loss of this idea of your brother or your sister and who they're going to become. And then all the memories and pictures in your mind of all the experiences you had together when you were little and waiting for Santa and all of these things, you know, where's that person? And do you really love yourself? And Is there any, you know, do you love yourself as much as I love you? Or what exactly is this? To open up and really have a loving conversation like that. It's okay to cry about letting go of something. And do I have to get rid of all my pictures of you when we're little? You know, or is that okay? And honestly, that journey for Alexis really changed throughout her life. There was a time where it was not okay. And then it really became okay. Like, yeah, that's, this is my whole self. This is who I've been my whole life. And at the end, she was really in a very powerful kind of two-spirit position of honoring both aspects of her own self, which to me is very spiritual, very powerful. So... I don't think there's any one answer, but to have honest conversations. And I've seen a lot of families on Twitter struggling with, how do I do this? How do I say this? How do? What about my kid? And all these different things to know this may be tough for all of us right now, but we're going to get through it. We love each other. We're going to say the wrong thing here or do the wrong thing there. But we're here no matter what. We love each other no matter what. But, hey, here's some pain I have, and here's some pain I have, and here's what I'm scared of, and here's what I'm scared of. I'm scared you're going to leave me, and you're not going to love me. I'm scared, you know, that someone's going to hurt you. or All of these things, these conversations can come out of love. But it's not something everyone goes through. It's a hero's journey. It's it's a very powerful road to walk through. And
1: it's, you know, I think uh, it's it's all of those things that you're talking about, right? Like the pain, the loss, the sadness, like all of these things that, um, as you say, many people don't want to deal with those things, right? Many people just want to like, you know, shove it under the rug and like try to forget about it. But when people do the courageous thing, right, uh, out of love, um. then things, despite the fact that things may be difficult, right? Like things can actually get better at some point, right? Uh, when there's that intentionality. Um. So thank you so much for bringing all of this. I, I want to ask you about everything that you talked about, right? And the different things that you're involved, the, you know, using your platform to advocate for these things. Um, And also, you know, the expectation that people have, right? uh, On you, for instance, right? Um, Yes, it is true. You're a celebrity. Yes, it is true. You know, you do have a platform. But when people expect for you to do something, How are you able to balance the different things, you know, that people expect of you?
0: I I am getting asked to do things all the time and they're all really great things and people are doing great work. And I feel terrible saying no a lot, but I can't say yes all the time. Oftentimes I'm working and there's no way what, what they want. I can't possibly do. Um, So it's a balancing act, I guess. And for me, the hardest thing, like what I started with, is to actually even see what I need. Like, I could be busy all the time. You know, I was working all these 14-hour days, and then all weekend I'd have to be learning lines for next week and trying to get catching up on some sleep and what do my kids need and my family and whatever obligations I had. And now that I'm done, I'm like, I haven't had a mammogram in a really long time. Like four years and my mom died of breast cancer. Like this, I cannot keep falling to the bottom of my own list. You know, wow, I need to get my teeth cleaned. Oh, you know, just basic self-care things even. So I'm trying now at 53, almost 54 to go, hold on, I need to really... I better take care of myself. you got to put that mask on your own self, right? On the plane, before you can help anyone else, you're going to pass out and die and help no one. So I'm trying to make space now at this point, like I'm shifting from the young person, hopefully into the wizened elder. So elders need a little more time for themselves, you know? They need a little bit of that.
1: And and it's a learning process too, right?
0: Yeah. And I think also people, I I don't think anybody really grows up in a, you know, completely functional family. Everyone's got some drama in the family. Um, And for a lot of people, I think their survival mechanism is to please others. So it's like, is that what I'm doing this for? You know, what if I... Don't please people. What happens? Do I just. I mean, I, I do love watching like ultra villains on TV or something. <laughs> I don't care about anyone. I'm like, I need a tiny bit of that. What would you say
2: would be the biggest misconception you think the world has about you? Like, if there's something that kind of. Yeah, see, like, that is not true. You know, what would be that thing that is kind of a misconception?
0: I grew up when I was younger in a hippie commune at one point, and we were super poor. Like, you know, at one point I grew out of shoes, and I just didn't have any shoes. And so my mom was, like, running around to all the other people, moms, like, have any of your kids grown out of any shoes Like could fit Patricia? Had. You know, that we lived, all seven of us, in a cabin with no bathroom." You'd have to run down the road, you know. But when people hear like, oh, for a period of time you lived in a hippie commune, they just go, oh, this kooky childhood. I mean, maybe it was kooky compared to the way other people's experience were, but it was very deep and very solid. And so I don't like when people kind of diminish it like that. Um, because it's lazy also, and it's just not accurate.
1: It seems like that communal space was love, right? Like, was full of love, right? Oh,
0: yeah, and, and drama and all the crap people bring with them, you know? <laughs> but it was pretty spectacular way to grow up in the 70s, you know? All these people talking about different religions and music and the arts and history. It was pretty rich.
2: You know, we've been asking folks this question um, because I think as we all grow and, and develop as adults and, and begin having those internal conversations that center us and, and we get to discover who we are deeply, you know, what advice would you give back to yourself at 10 years old? Like, what would you say to yourself if you can have a minute with yourself at 10 years old and, and share and impart some wisdom on yourself.
0: I think I would say to myself, check in with you and figure out how you feel. Um, But that was a period of time where I was going to this Catholic school and my mom was Jewish and my dad was Muslim and I was going to Catholic school and I wanted to be a nun. And I was about to get my, my first communion and the phone rang and I answered and they asked for my mom, but my mom wasn't home. And I said, well, can I help you? And they said, well, you're going to get your first communion, but you know, who's going to take you to church? And I'm like, well, I can walk to church. I walked to school every day. I'm like, my school was at the church, right? And they're like, we don't think you should get first communion. And I was like, why? Because I was number one in my catechism class, all of this. They said, well, your mom's Jewish and she's going to hell. <laughs> and, I said, and I was like, wow, I think maybe you're right, you know, about, I think Jesus is different for me than for you. And maybe you're right. And then I was like, and Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> and I hung up. <laughs> because, well, I, uh, I mean, I think what would I say to my 10 year old self was like, no one can take your love of religion or God or Jesus or your teachers or whatever away from you. Like your relationship with your with your teacher, your creator, your your spiritual guidance, you know, is between you and that and no one can touch that for you.
1: We have so much to talk about, but can you just send a message of hope to our people as we close the session just uh a message that you want to leave our aliens with?
0: So what I'm feeling my message is supposed to be is just for everyone to know that you really are loved and you really are perfect and you do belong and you, you're being supported from the outside. It's happening. And you can rest in that love, that you are loved. I don't know what situation you're going through at this moment or or that moment but I'm just praying that everyone is protected and everyone finds their love and their people and their community and that we start stitching these communities together and we make this strong weave together and we hold up each other with that you know I'm hoping that that's what happens I mean I feel like it's been a terrifying time for so many years, really. But we're more resilient than we know.
1: My dear and beautiful sister Patricia, I, I am so full with everything you, that you have shared with us. Um, I thank you so much for sharing this space with all of us.
0: Thank you, thanks for having me.
1: And for all of you out there, uh, thank you for listening to our show today. Um, I'm sending you so much love and appreciation. Um, This is Bambi Salcedo. I am Maria Roman. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. The Fearless Podcast is hosted by Bambi Salcedo.
2: And Maria Roman. We want to thank you for tuning in, for sharing space, and for learning with us today.
1: Our hope is that we have given you a little bit of knowledge, joy, and feel
2: inspired. And always, always remember to live out loud and live fearlessly.
1: With much love and respect always. Hasta la próxima.